Hello, I'm Marie Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Today's topic is what is a holistic counseling practice? My guest is Chris McDonald, licensed clinical mental health counselor, holistic provider, and yoga teacher from Raleigh in North Carolina. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. It's great to be here. After our conversation, Chris will give us her best tips on self-care, and then there will be time for a fun question. Chris, could you please tell us more about the work you do? Sure. Like she said, I'm a licensed clinical provider in North Carolina, so I provide services to young adults um, through holistic counseling all over our state. Online, I'm a virtual counselor, and I also am a registered yoga teacher. So part of what I do is use yoga in sessions with clients. So that's that's kind of where I'm at with that. And I also have a podcast too called the Holistic Counseling Podcast. Yes, which I listen to. I love to listen to that. Yes, I appreciate that. <laughs> That's great. Would you like to share your journey towards holistic counseling? Sure. So I wasn't always into holistic, the holistic realm, shall we say. I did more traditional talk therapy for a while. I was actually a school counselor. So I worked with um, an elementary and then I worked in high school which is a totally different kind of counseling. It's more short-term, and it's more working with um, students who are having issues in the school system. So that's kind of where I started, but then I started to learn some breathing methods and some yoga and really started from that and, and got more training and really became more holistic at that point and really treating the whole individual, and that's kind of how I got here. What led to you starting with breathing and yoga? So one thing I found is just using our mind, right, for therapy and, and talking with traditional therapy. That's great. That helps people to heal and to learn. But what that means, if we look at the brain, is we're in what's called the prefrontal cortex. We're in the front of the brain. But a lot of times trauma and deep issues can be in the deeper parts of the brain, and we can't access those through talk therapy. So what I've learned is that we have to use more of these body-based methods with using like yoga, breath work to calm things down to use talk therapy in a more helpful way. So it really helps to up-level treatment because we're using more than just talk therapy. How would you then uh, define holistic? Holistic is, is more of... Um, treating the whole person, more of an alternative approach instead of just talk therapy. So we incorporate mind, body, and spirit. So mind being the cognitive approach that more of what you think of with traditional talk therapy, which can include like identifying unhelpful thoughts, challenging them, reframing, um, but also building on that therapeutic relationship with clients. But then using the body through what we call somatic practices. So noticing sensations that let's say that somebody is stressed, I might ask them, so where do you feel that in your body? And that's connecting to the body in session, um, using movement, like through yoga, or I, I use some Qigong exercises with that, um, connecting with how their physical health is, because that impacts mental health too. I often will ask my young adults to make sure they get a 
physical because something can be out of whack with physical, which can cause mental health issues, looking at healthy eating habits, sleep habits, exercise. So that's part of how I incorporate the body. Um, With holistic counseling, we also look at spirit if they're open to that. We never put our values on clients, but if they want to talk about spirit, their spiritual beliefs and how to use that as part of self-care, then we're open to that. And I will talk with them about that and explore that a little more if they have more spiritual questions. Thank you. Can you give us some examples of holistic techniques? You have mentioned several things. Yeah. Could you go into that a little more in detail? Absolutely. So what I do is grounding, which is kind of like mindfulness practices. A lot of people have heard that, right? It's a buzzword, being mindful. And and it's really connecting with your senses in the present moment. So for example, if somebody were to go outside, use their visual to see the blue sky, the green trees, naming colors they see, shapes they see, feeling their feet on the ground, noticing any sensations in the body, noticing what kind of emotion may come up for them. Um, What they hear is also part of mindfulness or grounding. Um, Noticing anything they feel, like how their clothes feel on their body or any other feeling that's coming up for them, any pain or headaches, like those kind of sensations. Um, And just noticing breathing, that could be another part of mindfulness or grounding is just noticing our breath, being aware of it. Um, I also use meditation practices. And a lot of what I do too is teaching these practices, but helping clients to create consistent routines to use these practices regularly. Because part of healing isn't just coming to therapy and expecting that it's going to cure everything because it's not, but it's part of that road to healing because clients have to do their part too and be able to really make these lifestyle practices and changes so they can be able to heal themselves. Yeah, so you look at sustainable practices. Sustainable, that's a good word, yes. Did that answer that? Yes, thank you. For those listeners who are not quite sure what grounding involves, could could you explain a little bit more? A lot of times it's getting more into your body. So what I've seen a lot in a lot of clients I see is a lot of people get stuck in their heads, overthinking, um, and that causes a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Uh, we call that rumination too. And and if you've ever gone to bed and your mind starts racing about the day or, oh, I forgot to send that email. So that can be called rumination. And the, the way we work through that is through getting back into the body, through these body practices. And, and that's what I teach through yoga as well. So being able to connect breath with gentle, mindful movements is one way. Before we come to the benefits of holistic techniques, there is a certain stigma attached to their use. What is your view? So I know that not everybody is open to holistic practices. There is some judgment from people, and sometimes that's based in religion. Like, for example, tarot cards, that's a a new upcoming in therapy that some therapists are using and it's not fortune telling it's just using the pictures and seeing what it means and um, some people just feel like that it doesn't have a place or that we should stick to traditional therapy but for me I find that if it benefits the client if it's connecting them where they are at and helps with healing then I think we should continue and, and especially because I've seen a lot of positive results <laughs> some of like you mentioned the benefits yes there's a lot of good results for up-leveling our therapy practices from just traditional. 
And I suppose you're, you're sensitive in the process, so you will find out whether the client is willing and happy to work with, with certain techniques. Oh, for sure. There's always informed consent. And um, when people come to me, I will talk to them about practices and ask if they're open for that. And also um, before each time we do it. So let's say that today, you know, I have a breathing practice we could try. Would you be willing to try that today? And if they say no, then that's okay. So I just agree with whatever, wherever they are for that day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in my therapy, I will say, um, what would be helpful to you today? Because they know me once they start working with me, mm-hmm. some of the things that I can teach them. So, so yeah, informed consent is very important. Yes. Could you highlight the benefits of holistic techniques? You have sure. mentioned a few benefits, but maybe there are more. There are so many as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this mm-hmm. and love love it so much. I've seen so many great things, and I've incorporated it into my life as well. Um, for me, I know personally and with clients, I've seen a lot of decrease in anxiety, and uh, I wish I would have started a lot of these practices years ago because I've always had some anxiety, and it's gotten worse at times. But now that I use um, I use yoga every day, I do meditation most days, and mindfulness often that really helps calm the nervous system. So you become less reactive to stress. So it's all neurologically based. So once you can do that, you're actually rewiring your brain so that you're, when stress comes up, you're not as reactive to automatically become anxious. You can handle more things that come your way. But I've also seen it with depression, that depression can help be eased up. Um, trauma, I work with trauma. A lot of healing can come from using holistic methods. Um, and just that connection to spiritual beliefs can be helpful, too, because that can be And research shows that people that have a spiritual practice that can really be beneficial to them, too, to help with self-care and coping um, and also interoception, which means knowing what your body needs in the moment, because a lot of times that if people are stuck in their heads, then they have that disconnect right from their body. So they live from the neck up, just thinking, thinking, thinking. So once I can get them through yoga to be able to do movement and breath and notice what's happening, then they know what to do in their body. They can really tune in more about what their body needs. Yes, it's actually not complex and and it's not strange. The way you explain it to calm down the nervous system and to get in touch with your body. So in that way, you become in, in air commas, you become more holistic. Absolutely. Connecting to your whole self. Mm. And that's the key. Now, Chris, it's clear that a holistic practice can serve clients very well, but does it also serve the therapist involved? Great question. Yes, that's one of the benefits. So, and part of what I've learned through my yoga training is that I don't just tell people, oh, hey, can you um, do tree pose and give them the cues for that? So what I do is I do it with them. So whatever I'm teaching, I do it with them. So even meditation, I close my eyes and connect to the visuals that I'm giving them. So it's it's a give and take process. So I also get the benefits of teaching. So that helps my stress level in addition to them. Mm-hmm. And we're connected doing it together. And I feel like that's like an energy connection too, because we're both doing the same thing. And there's some kind of um, neural connection with that. It's hard to even explain what that is. But once you do this in a session, you can really feel that connection. Because part of 
all of this is that I have to build that rapport with clients. And once we have that too, then doing these practices, it's, it's really powerful and beneficial and really increases the benefits. And that even works when you're doing virtual sessions. Oh, absolutely. If not even more from what I've found, because people are in their own surroundings and are comfortable. I have a lot of people that even sit on their beds mm. <laughs> and are just, you know, in their comfortable clothes at home. And that's totally fine. And so they, they don't have to drive to an office or worry about traffic or trying to leave work on time. So they can just have it from the comfort of home, which decreases some stress on their part, too. Now, you've explained the difference between a traditional and a holistic practice. If the yes. listener would be interested in going to a holistic practice, how do they know if a counseling practice is holistic? Well, number one, you can ask. <laughs> it's mm. a big one. Because um, if they don't know what you're talking about, they're probably not holistic. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and know that there's different kinds of holistic. That Some people... They just treat from that perspective, but they may not use like all the modalities I listed because there's so many different ways to approach holistic therapy. There's no right or wrong way. And some people might do some other things using visual fields like what's called EMDR or I use brain spotting, which is using the visual field, but also connects with the body. So just know that there's tons of different integrated practices. So even wherever you're living that you can research on. Um, Google even just to look up holistic therapy or holistic practices or integrative. Sometimes that's another word that's used. And then you can kind of get a feel from websites if, if that's what they're doing, because most people who are holistic will put that right out there, that that's what they're offering. I'm wondering now if someone comes to you who isn't used to doing body work or say yoga, they may feel a little uncomfortable in the beginning. Yes. Yes. And that's why it's important to build that relationship initially. And honestly, a lot of people I do see, they don't know I'm holistic. <laughs> some people do are referred to me because of that. But there are some people, a percentage that don't know. So we just go, I go at their own pace and might just, let's just say for an example, like we'll just start with breath work and go from there. And if they're comfortable doing one yoga pose, we might do that. So it's not like the whole session is a whole yoga class or vinyasa flow. <laughs> It's not like mm. that. So I might just do a couple things. And what I do is sometimes um, I'll start with grounding in a session and then maybe close with a little bit of yoga or meditation. Or if the client is really activated and really stressed out, we might just start with doing some um, yoga or meditation to start the practice and start the session just so they can be in a calmer state for us to work on whatever it is they're facing. Could you talk about self-care for practitioners and why it's necessary? Absolutely. It's so important, especially if you are a coach or a therapist or work in the healthcare industry. We really need self-care in order to be effective as practitioners. Um, it's You have to be able to take care of yourself so you can show up best for any patients or clients that you see. And we're role models, especially therapists, because if you're promoting self-care, I sure hope you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I talk about my self-care practices with my clients as well, because I don't want them to feel like, oh, I'm telling them to do some yoga, but I'm not doing it, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That would be ingenuine. For me, I, I want to, anything I tell clients to do, I'm going to do myself. So I don't, don't want them to feel like I'm just telling them all these things they have to do. And um, they don't have to, of course, they have that choice. 
but that can really help them to find that path to healing. But again, it keeps you balanced, right? And especially if you're doing the practices with them, it helps you be more healthy in your mind, your body, your spirit overall, that holistic you in order for you to be most effective. And I, and just honestly, when I have really bad days, if I'm not doing start my day with um, my calm routine, I'm not doing as well. And I find my sessions don't go as well because I think a session goes as well as we are. Mm -hmm. And if you're stressed out to the max or burned out, not taking care of yourself, that's going to show up and clients are going to know that energy. Yeah, you've actually answered my next question, which was going to be, how does one stay motivated to practice (laughs) self-care? Yeah. Good one. I think this is the toughest one, especially if you are a caretaker, a giver, you really want to help other people. And this is very common that some people get caught in that role of, let me take care of everyone else first, put everyone else first. And and then next thing you know, you're last on the list and you have nothing left for yourself Mm. and you're exhausted and plopping to bed. That's very common. So I think it is that self-awareness and just asking yourself those questions like, where am I with my self-care and what is making it hard? What are my challenges with overcoming that? But thinking about what motivates you, right? Is there something that would motivate you to engage more in some of these helpful practices? But finding ones that you relate to, now maybe you hate yoga, that's okay. (laughs) You don't have to do yoga. Finding something that you love to do. For me, I love meditation. I love yoga. I do love doing breath work. Those are helpful for me. So I'm going to do more likely to do them. But if somebody tells me to go running, it's probably not going to happen. Mm. Right? Because that's not what I couldn't helps agree me. more. I take my hat off to the runners because I don't know how they do it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is not going to happen. Yeah. Individualizing. Just remember that. Yeah. Chris, you mentioned your podcast series, the Holistic Counseling Podcast, but please explain who this is aimed at. Sure. This is aimed for mental health therapists mostly, but I do have a lot of other holistic professionals and other people who are just interested in learning holistic strategies because what I bring on there is lots of different holistic treatments and things you might not have even known because I know I'm always surprised at how many different <laughs> kinds of holistic strategies there are out there. And I'm always learning from it myself. Um, and a lot of these can be used in treatment, but some of them are more of something that can be used in additional because like I refer out to, let's say, energy healers or I refer out for like massage therapy and how that can help. So things like that. I also look at these are just things to help with overall wellness. I also talk about some self-care because, like I said, I think healthcare providers struggle with using self-care consistently. Um, So to help them optimize their personal wellness and also some private practice building tips, too, because that can be difficult at times, how to build a holistic practice and be able to do that with confidence, too. Do you think there's a shift uh, from what we used to call a traditional practice to incorporating more techniques and strategies? There is a shift. That's the exciting part. So I think it has really started with mindfulness I would say um, from my awareness and everything that I've seen in the field, it's really gone from maybe the past 10 years from mindfulness became much more, I guess the word accepted, and people do that um, more as a holistic practice. And I think that's opened up more to meditation. Meditation apps are becoming more popular. 
um, it's it's becoming easier to access a lot of holistic strategies, right? With if you get like Insight Timer, one of my favorites, you can just download it and get it with a lot of free ones, right? You you don't have to upgrade for everything and it's becoming much more accessible. And I think I think more and more therapists are interested in using holistic strategies and finding other ways to help clients heal. Cause what what I found, like I said, is a lot of clients hit that wall with traditional therapy and They realize that after so many years or hopefully not years, hopefully it's not that long, but some people, it takes a long time to get healing and and they need something else because sometimes it's not enough just to have traditional therapy. And I used to just do breathing, but sometimes just doing breath work isn't enough is what I found that some people need more movement, breath work and movement. So and it is just individualizing that approach too. Then you've written a book called Self-Care for the Counselor. Oh, yes. So self-care is one of my passions. (laughs) Definitely. So in, in that, too, I look at the whole person as a practitioner of ways that you can incorporate self-care into your daily life. Because what I've learned is that you can't just wait for the weekend or you can't wait for vacation. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'll just relax when I have my vacation tomorrow because that's that's really not going to serve you. So the the best benefit is to find these small daily practices. And and that, again, does not mean that you have to do 90 minutes of yoga a day. So it could be let me do five minutes of this meditation this morning and call it right. So it's it's kind of figuring out what would work in my schedule And if you see patients or clients to figure out what can I do during the day, right? Even just going for a short walk or doing some stretches, something, something that can kind of tie it in to to make it accessible. Because, of course, we can't all we don't have three hours a day for self-care. So so small practices. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Chris, where can listeners learn more about your work? So two places. So I have um, a private practice and that's called um, Path to Hope Counseling and that's www.pathtohopecounseling.com. And my podcast is the Holistic Counseling Podcast and that's www.holisticcounselingpodcast.com. But it's also on Apple Podcasts and all the most of the podcatchers. So, so yeah, definitely tune in. Yes. What I'll do is I'll attach those two links to this podcast so people can go and look. That would be great. And now it's time for your self-care tips, please. So, and I know I mentioned a little bit of that already with the book too, but starting small because I think a lot of people get overwhelmed, right? Oh my God, I have to do self-care and it's another thing to add my to-do list. So reframe that to this is a gift I want to give myself each day. So figuring out what that is individually. And I'm a big fan of journaling. If you're not sure what that could be, just reflect on it, journal it. And of course, journaling can be also another self-care, right? To be able to do that. Um, Find ways that Maybe you can have someone else engage with you. So whether that's your kids or a partner or an accountability partner, somebody that could go to the gym with you or partner you for walks, sometimes that can really help you if you have that struggle with that motivation piece. Someone else is going to meet you at two, you're more likely to go 
than if it's on your own. <laughs> Thank you. Can I now ask you your fun question? Okay. <laughs> I think we have something in common because somewhere I read that you love historical novels. I do. Oh my gosh. Yes, I love it. Historical fiction, yes. Now we're going to the realm of the imagination. And my question okay. is, if you could be a character in a historical novel, where and when would the story take place? Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. That's so cool. Yeah, I love, by the way, I love reading. That is one of my self-cares. And to me, it doesn't take any motivation because <laughs> it's so fun. Oh, I love escaping. You know what I'm thinking of is like, the Victorian age with, I don't know a character, but I'm just thinking, I want to wear those dresses. <laughs> yes. Even though I wouldn't want to do that on a daily basis, but I was like, wouldn't that be cool to get all fancied up? And I'd want to be like uh, <laughs> on a royal court <laughs> and live in a castle. How about that? <laughs> that sounds wonderful. And what fascinates me about the Victorian era is, is all those calling cards they left. Yeah, I know. So cool. Yeah, and I think it's fun just going back in time to read any of the historical novels and see how they live their lives and, you know, what was it like back then. And it's just, it's such a great way to learn about history. It is. It's my favorite way. Thank you, Chris, for your insights. I now have a much better grasp of what a holistic counseling practice involves. Thank you. Good. Well, I'm glad. I hope that was clear enough. It was. And to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. I'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to Calm, Clear and Helpful and if you'd rate the show. Visit my website www.mariehitsnaman.co.za for this episode's show notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on love relationships, parenting, life's challenges, and emotional health. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted, and edited by me, and the music is by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.